You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the final episode of season one, also season only, of Crime Traveler, episode eight, The Broken Crystal. Episode synopsis. Professor Hayward is found dead, murdered in his bathtub. Slade and Turner are on a date, having just seen a 50-year-old French film. Turner thinks it's a timeless classic. Slade... Not so much. It has special significance for Turner. It's the same hill she went on her very first date. Slade hasn't got much time to be nosy and or jealous when Professor Chapman calls out to Turner, but is run down in a hit and run. Chapman desperately tries to tell Turner something, but can only point to her wrist before he dies. For the first time in the series, Slade fails to get the license plate number of a car. Turner immediately tries using the time machine to find out what happened, but in this case, it only takes them back three minutes. Just long enough for them to return to the present. And then, the single most expensive piece of equipment, the crystal, breaks. Without 20,000 pounds, the time machine is never working again. It turns out that Professors Chapman and Hayward both worked for Web Biotech. And although Turner has never met either of them, both were known names to her as they worked in her father's field. She is assigned to work with Slade as he investigates their place of employment. They meet with the technical director, Stephen Marlowe, who, to no surprise to anyone that's ever watched a movie or TV show, is the very same man with whom Turner went on her first date and was her boyfriend. He was previously tutored by Turner's father. Slade immediately suspects he's involved in the murders, and it's not at all because he's jealous. Marlowe takes them to meet Sebastian Webb, owner of the company, and he is none too complimentary about Hayward and Chapman's work, which has overrun budgets and produced nothing. He strongly indicates that he thinks they, perhaps Marlowe, were up to something. In their lab, Slade notices and is curious about a locked room, but he's assured it's just a generator and storage. Turner is not happy about Slade's attitude to Marlowe, and Slade asks if Marlowe knows about her father's time machine. She assures him that he doesn't. More inquiries reveal that both Hayward and Marlowe were anxious before their deaths, like they knew something. Slade, even more suspicious and not at all jealous, intrudes on Turner and Marlowe having a date. He makes it clear that Marlowe is his suspect. Later, Slade receives a call from an anonymous caller claiming to have information about the murders. A meeting is arranged, but it is a trap and an unidentified assailant wearing a hat to conceal his curly hair takes a couple of shots at Slade. Slade shoots him in the shoulder, but he escapes in the very car that ran down Chapman. That's enough evidence for Slade, and he convinces Grissom to bring in Marlowe for questioning. Slade's case against him falls apart rapidly as, first, it's discovered that he hasn't been shot in the shoulder. This is followed by verification of two ironclad, if somewhat absurdly coincidental, alibis for the nights of the two murders. Finally, the nail in the coffin of Slade's case gets hammered in when it's revealed that Marlowe was with Turner when Slade was attacked. Marlowe is released and promises to sue. Marlowe has been trying to get Turner to work for him, and Turner is mortified by Slade's actions. She decides to accept his offer and show him the time machine. Police officer Frank overhears that they're going to Turner's flat. When she shows him the time machine, he figures out what it is and kisses her inappropriately. They can change history with this. Morris mentions to Slade that his car electronics went wonky outside Web Biotech during his surveillance, and Slade puts it all together. There's a time machine in operation at Web Biotech. He tries to track down Holly, but Marlowe has already taken her away, ostensibly to go to a Web Biotech facility to replace the broken crystal. But later, he holds her at gunpoint. He intends to kill her. Then we use the time machine to create another ironclad alibi. Slade breaks into the locked room in Chapman and Hayward's lab, and it turns out to be a DJ sound machine and time machine, and is considerably more high-tech than Turner's. Nonetheless, Slade manages to go back in time two hours and tails Marlowe and Holly. He rescues her from being flash-frozen, 
but only has 12 minutes to return to the time machine. When they arrive, Marlow is waiting with a gun, preventing Slade from returning. It looks like it will be Jeff Slade at the Loop of Infinity after all. Egomaniac that he is, Marlow tries to convince Turner to side with him. And she does, but only to get the jump on him, allowing Slade to enter the time machine, but not before a stray bullet starts a fire inside it. Slade returns, and Marlow, not understanding the laws of time, tries to use the machine to go back and prevent the machine from being damaged. He disappears into... the Loop of Infinity? Jeff rushes into the burning machine to liberate a crystal of the type Turner needs to repair her time machine, but he holds out on her until she agrees to use the machine to fight crime. The end. Hot okay. Do you know the part that amazed me the most about this? Really? Oh, well, I'm spoiled for choice. You'll have to tell me. I think it's the part where Slade had this look on his face like, wait, this incredibly hot genius has been on dates before? The Whoa! I did not expect that. Anyway, what did you think of the episode? Well, uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, my experience of it was rather kind of, it was tied up in my misremembering how this series ended. So, I mean, I think I mentioned when we started watching this that I had definitely seen some of it when it was first airing 25 years ago. And I have not seen all of it and I've forgotten a lot of it so I've been kind of watching it sort of half anew um, but half with some expectations based on how I remembered things tying up and they didn't tie up like I remembered at all. Um, it's very odd because I'm sure I've seen this episode in particular. There were things in this episode that I do remember but there are also things that I remember from the series that I was expecting to happen in this episode that haven't happened in the whole series. So obviously you remembered them from some other show or something. Series um, two. So I'm, well, it could be series two. And I'm kind of, I'm, I guess I'm kind of processing, you know, what I actually saw against what I expected. In some ways, it feels to me like if I'd watched this episode, I mean, it was, it was a good episode. I, I did enjoy it. But I think if I'd watched it as episode one of series two, setting up a new adversary who has a time machine, then there would have been a lot more satisfaction in that, partly because there's a lot of interesting stuff around the idea of a criminal time travelling, because we've explored the possibilities that time travel offers for actual crime solving, but uh. there are clearly equally exciting opportunities for crime committing, including creating you know, cast-iron alibis and... Maybe you know, this will be on an episode of Bugs. Evidence. Well, the, I mean, That's the other side at. of that is that it felt to me like what should happen at the end of the series was that we should actually explore the loop of infinity and, mm -hmm. you know, possibly find but out a bit more father. about Professor Turner. Yeah, that, I would have bet money that that would, they would, if not, I'm not saying they'd solve the problem and bring him back from the loop of infinity or anything like that. I just feel like we needed to, a glimpse of him, uh, a hint, a clue, uh, something to make you go into series two thinking, wow, we we know something new about what happened to her dad, and now she's going oh. to redouble her efforts to try to rescue him, thinking now that he might be savable kind of thing. And the funny, th the funny thing is that the kind of the new element of the storyline in this episode, well, it's, it's, it's all about in a way, what increases the jeopardy is it's all about people who know Holly, but in particular knew Professor Turner, worked with Professor Turner. So there is the opportunity for Holly, or for us at least, to discover things that, uh, well, Holly mm -hmm. as well, that, that were unknown that we did not know about Professor Turner, but also Holly did not know about Professor Turner. And yet, despite that being the setup of the episode, we discover literally nothing more about him. Nope. Nope. Not a, not a thing. It, it's, yeah. I enjoyed the episode. I think it was a, it was a good, solid episode. And I, and I admit there was a certain amount of, you know, you recognize the signs of time travel and, uh, <laughs> in this story, but it, but it's not, it's not Jeff. Uh, it's, uh, it's somebody else. And, um, that, that was a nice setup. 
that there are some issues. And the first one is the thing that Jeff took, the, 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 the little white two-digit gadget that he needs to return, right, yep. was not a watch. And it Chapman was like a page to his wrist. Yep. And Chapman pointed to Holly's wrist. Yes. Sorry, to, her, like, to Holly's wrist. Yeah. To her wrist. Yeah. Which is exactly so the like, place that you would put a pager, isn't it? And not in your back pocket like Jeff did. Oh, no. Her belt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was weird, which tells me they they got... It's like the design they department. They know Holly has a machine. Or that Holly, you know, they knew about Holly's machine somehow, that there's more information here. And, and that made me think like, they've got to know something about it. But there's no indication uh, of that in this story. Yeah, I to to be honest, that that hadn't occurred. Why would they go to her? I had, I had assumed that they had sort of developed the machine based on the same knowledge and understanding of the uh, of what Turner Tachyon himself were calls. Yeah, but that but that they were not aware that Turner had created his own machine, because in a way, why would they? Why would they go ahead and create? their own machine if they knew Turner had already done it and they knew that Holly had the machine because it was in Turner's flat. In fact, why would Turner do it in his flat if he had told anyone else about it? Surely the point of doing it in his flat was to keep it completely secret. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it just seems like they came up with an incredibly the same system and, I don't know, parallel development, maybe? But it does feel like you know, it's just, this is just one we built more recently. Therefore, we didn't have to use 20-year-old parts. Um, well, yes. I mean, but, I think they you know, were behind we, but, Turner, said, we, they? we learned nothing. We learned nothing about this yeah. in this episode. Yeah. It's an open question. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like that that kind of... Uh, I, I'm convinced the watch thing is down to the design department just not paying enough attention to the script. You know, they've been, they've been given a brief. I mean, maybe they hadn't even had the script at that point they were just told yeah it's going to be a second time machine and well so they, <laughs> they come up with a design that this and the second time machine's got to look more modern and like it's properly funded and so they create something that's much more kind of minimalist and much more kind of sort of shiny and so they don't have this kind of rather clunky strap-on watch thing instead it looks like well you know what would be cutting edge a in modern piece <laughs> a pager a pager goodness me and yeah, I think that maybe that didn't necessarily fit with what actually is in the script when when it turns up. I, I have a I have a note in my notes about thinking that the prop department did not read the script as well, and that's the so-called crystal. By no stretch of the imagination would I call that thing a crystal. Yes, it, it's supposed to be sapphire, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which is not even blue. Sapphires were blue, yeah, <laughs> and they're not liquid, um, and they're, and they're not uh, enclosed in nairobium glass or whatever they. Yeah, it, it, it's like crystal, huh? I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking tube. It reminds me of an old television well, tube more than it does uh, a crystal. But okay, and I I really did. I wrote it down. I think I don't think the script department really coordinated on. Or the prop department really coordinated on this, but uh, so so we have two instances for that. That might be, uh, and I did. I mean, okay, go team Jeff for figuring out how to use the squishy ball time machine. That, that is what those were, right? Those were those were uh, yep. dodge balls or something. <laughs> Pump them up and get a little air pressure going through there to. Kind of like those uh, those um, shoes they used to have, where you could pump them up to tighten them. On the on the sides, and I, oh, I I didn't stuck necessarily. Get, a, I thought it was it was a cross between a trackball and that sort of psychic tardis, tardis interface that you stick your hands into. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that was part of a, a sound machine for a DJ that had been retrofitted. But yeah, it looked to me like the ball he was pushing on the right was a was a rubber <laughs> instead of twirling it. But I. I could be wrong, like a trackpad. Anyway, good, good on you, yeah, Jeff. No, I think you've been paying close attention to, uh, to Holly's <laughs> machine, and you're just able to work that one out. Luckily, the interface design's better. <laughs> well, it must be. I mean, I did think we were going to get 
no time travel in this episode. Well, other than the three minutes, which I didn't really think counted, but I thought maybe the whole episode was going to happen in, well, at least from the point of view of our protagonists in linear format, and we were just going to see the effects of time travel happening around them. But well, uh, I mean, yeah, certainly, just... Jeff, Jeff learning to do it in the other time machine does give us a way of seeing some of that travel. And one of the things that I wondered was, obviously, one we learn something about the way the time machine works, which is that you can't go back to a time before the machine last went back to, which kind of makes sense in my Why head. Why have a question? You're sort, it's, I... I can imagine it's sort of blocking the vortex that it travels down. Okay. Well, but if you, this you, out there right now. you can't travel back in the time machine that you have a full stop in. Can you travel back in another time machine? That's my question. Did the three-minute stop happen because Marlowe was traveled back in time, creating his alibi at the time of the crime? I, my interpretation would be that the time machines don't affect each other and Holly wasn't even considering the possibility of there being another time machine at that point. So right. she was just saying it's it's not possible but, to travel back in time, but that was specifically about using the one time machine that exists because it's traveling down the same, what in my head is sort of time tracks. Yeah, but in, in my point is that, yes, that's exactly what she would think because she has no clue there's another time machine. She's just like, I don't know why it goes back up for, you know, it just... It went back three minutes. Then they try again. I said, no, you can't do it. It's like, well, maybe that's why it only went back three minutes. Is maybe that's not. I mean, it, may, maybe it could be. There is something going that if we had 10 time machines, they'd all have problems like this because, because, time, because if you took too what Holly said at face, if you took what Holly said at face value and if Marlowe had indeed been using the time machine three minutes before they travel then that that could explain that effect but equally there there has been the kind of groundwork laid for saying yeah that at sometimes the time machine will just travel back a few minutes and that could explain what happened here and equally this other time machine that Chapman and them have had has been around for a while and so that effect could have occurred at any point and that could be why they could, hit. could have been interpreted in the same way. But well, they might have gone back in time when they tried to go back. You know, let's see if we can go back a, a week. Oh, we went back three hours. That could be because they bumped up against the other time machine. No, no, no. no. I mean, it's it's we did, we know these guys can set a programmed time on how far they want to go back. So it's not an insurmountable problem from the standpoint of picking how far you want to go back, whether or not. They could then always do that anyway. I don't know. But it just, it crossed my mind because well, it was, it, yes, it's very convenient plutonium if it just, oh, it just happened to be three <laughs> minutes. But we are actually dealing with, there is another time machine, even though it's probably been activated in the future. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have to say, I, I well, no, it, it would have had to have been activated three minutes in the past. But I have to say, oh, yeah. I, I prefer the... It being the single time machine stopping it. And I'll add one more thing in favour. Because obviously, you're right, we don't know. And we and we will never know unless it's in Series 2. Um, <laughs> the, the one more thing in favour of it being a time machine-specific thing is this whole thing about having to return to yeah. the same time machine at the point you travelled back. I agree that that, that does... Certainly, that would be a very good reason for saying you definitely cannot go back in the same time machine overlapping a previous trip in the time. I absolutely agree that that is uh, 100% valid. I think it's completely right. I'm just saying I'm wondering if this instance, if there was something else in play that made it so short. But speaking of that, obviously, Marlowe doesn't understand the laws of time. And I'm still wondering how Holly has figured out the laws of time as well as she has. Marlowe doesn't understand them. And we, did you notice that he changed his MO in this story, right? So the two murders were clearly committed in real time. And then the alibis were created after the fact for the, for the, the scientist's murders. But that is not what happened when he tried to kill Jeff, 
which is why he failed to kill Jeff. He he was having They're dinner in real time with Holly, got pissed off at Slade for coming into the dinner and, and being all jerky to him. So after he stayed with Holly, he went to the time machine and went back and tried to kill him, and that didn't work. But it could have worked. worked. And we, well, Why couldn't it we work? don't think it can, can't change time. I, I, I'm, but he does, he, I don't know. No, hang on, hang on, hang is on. It in, not is it information or is it? It wouldn't change time. It would have just been what had always happened. There's no paradox there. Well, if if Slade's not dead, when he goes back in time, because he hasn't but killed him yet. But he doesn't know whether or not Slade is dead when he goes back in time. But we've time. always, we. but that's an, inf that's the, that was the question we had last time about whether or not it's information that's the problem. And I have that down here. It's like, no, is this, I don't think that is a is question. Is this contradictory? We've seen, we've seen that. We've seen that a number of times. That they, when that they go back in time. time. No, no, no. Well, that's not what we've seen. What we've seen is that whatever you do when you go back in time in the machine is what had always happened. So I guess, yeah, in a way, that's not cha not changing time. But then Marlowe doesn't know whether or not what he's trying to do would involve changing time because he doesn't know whether it has always happened or not. Right, so it's he doesn't have that information, so it is, it is a question of. Nonetheless, it's definitely in other in other in other words, what he, what, he, what he what he what he is doing isn't illogical, even if he does understand the laws of time. What he is doing doesn't suggest he doesn't understand the laws of time. It just suggests that he's okay, a well, really I can, bad. I can shot. prove that. I I can prove that. I can prove he doesn't understand the laws of time because he tried to go back in the time machine to prevent the time machine from yes. being destroyed. Yeah, and, and that, and that and is Holly that is called definitely. him out, so he definitely didn't know. But I, but I, and, you know, and, we know that it, he went it, back in time to it disproves kill things. Sorry, that just on that one, it disproves two things he doesn't understand. One is that he can't go back and change anything, and the other is that he can't go back far enough to change anything because he's a, it's, it's, he's tra trying to travel in the same machine that Jeff has just travelled in, which will have created a full stop in time, right? Right, so he can't. He can do neither. But he can do he, it. He, he cannot certainly... do it on two. There are two different laws of time stopping him from doing it. Right. So he. But we. I, I, I on the I other hand, go ahead. He does. He does know about the loop of infinity. So while That's on the true. one hand he seems to be somewhat ignorant about these things, on the other he knows something that you think. Well, we've asked how Holly knows about it, but how on earth would he know about it? Because he doesn't have any of the kind of theoretical knowledge that Turner might have had and might have explained to Holly. All he has is his experience in using this machine. And if he hasn't fallen into the loop of infinity, which for obvious reasons he can't have done, then how does he know? Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's worked with Holly's father and he does have some understanding. Clearly, he must have some understanding of, of Holly's father's theories on time because everybody knows about Holly's father's theories on time. The Institute <laughs> of Time, the, the 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 Slade's dad. I mean, <laughs> it's like so it's it's not a secret that his dad was a specialist in time, and therefore when Holly says that those two men worked, Chapman and and Hayward worked in her father's shit, presumably they also understood about time travel. They built a time machine. So I think Marlowe, there is an implication in this story from from Webb that he thinks Marlowe is pulling a fast one with Chapman and, and Hayward. It's not just that Chapman and Hayward are secretly working on a time machine. It's that Marlowe knows or is paying them to work on the time machine. Webb doesn't know what it is, well, but it's, you know, it's something. So, and they, they kind of make mention of that in the in the wrap up there that that Marlowe was was part of this we don't know if he had anything to do with building it but he may have and he certainly has the technical experience that he might be able to understand it so he may have been on the team although I, I really honestly think that if I wanted to kill somebody with a time machine uh, that had built me a time machine I would ask them to go back in time somewhere where I was ready for them and then take their pager from them and then let them disappear like Holly's dad instead of 
obviously murdering them. <laughs> and and I got to say, his attempted murder of Holly is incredibly stupid. So you're going to kill the police officer who's investigating the crime at Web Biotech in a Web Biotech facility. Okay, that does not, well, not, not good. Yeah, I mean, leave, leaving aside the fact she's not a police officer, I didn't really understand what was going on there because presumably there was some reason, you know, why you didn't just hit her on the head and drop her in the river or whatever, but had to, to, mm. had to you know, conduct this very elaborate thing which involved the flash freezer, which, yeah, okay, it's a biotech firm, so there's a reason for that to be there, but it hasn't got anything to do with why there is... I mean, it's like, we don't... Why is it a biotech firm? Because the point yep. is, it's that's got nothing to do with temporal physics or anything. Maybe that's why it's supposed to be suspicious to Webb as well. Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think it is a biotech firm because it's got this freezer that they can then use in this scene where they're going <laughs> to freeze Holly. But I, I, yeah, like you say, it kind of need a bit more of what he was planning to do there. Is there some way in which he's going to freeze her so that there is no sign of what killed her once she's defrosted and then take the body and leave it somewhere else or... I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like the zip tie works, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean he didn't. He didn't go that far. He didn't go anywhere that far with regards to murdering somebody in his bathtub or running a guy over hit and run. So I don't exactly. think. I don't think he cares. I think it's the alibi machine that he's. It, it and it it this strikes me as an ego thing. It's like I'm going to commit these murders. They're going to know they're murders, and I'm going to be 100 percent, absolutely proved to be innocent by going to some random newspaper vendor on another part of town and making sure that he knows who I am and that I ask him for directions. You could think there would be so many better ways to make your alibi than that. But it, but it, the, the, the kind of alibi approach is almost enough to make you want to see what happens when he tries to go back in order to create his alibi for having attacked Holly and then discovers that he can't because his time machine has been used by Jeff to go back and rescue Holly. Or why the crazy loony thought that after trying to flash freeze Holly and after Slade saving her life, and then he's like, come over and work with me, Holly, you don't have to die. And he actually was willing to believe she'd do that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that That is some, I am so irresistible vibes going there. <laughs> Yep, some ego. Yeah. No. Let's <laughs> see, what else do I have? I think in the pre in pre recording we mentioned you mentioned that the uh this time machine can work with its door open. Oh yes. Yes. I rather like the the fact that you have to have this circuit around Holly's time machine. So yes. all the window shutters have to be closed as well as the door. So it's a bit disappointing to me. It felt a bit like I mean, I know in theory that a microwave will work if the door is open and, you know... The, yeah, the, the safety interlocks can... are not engaged. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the safety interlock is just basically there. To, it's not there because the door st stops the microwaves getting out. It's just to stop you, you know, putting things in when the microwave is on or whatever. But at the same time, if I ever saw a microwave working without the door and it would just feel wrong, and that's what watching this time machine felt, it, sh it just shouldn't happen right yeah i agree i was kind of <clears throat> i mean i guess we got the animated picture of him disappearing into i don't know was that the loop of infinity why would it be the loop of infinity i don't know <clears throat> it just i'm not sure it was i i didn't i'm, I'm not either I, I couldn't tell <clears throat> you know the, the from the dialogue we got after all from from what we saw it could have been the time machine so damaged by the fire and everything else that it was just malfunctioning and he was being blipped out of existence by the malfunction. The pain. But it could have been the loop of infinity, I don't know. He was flung back 35 years, has to relive it all, and then we'll get well, trapped in the loop can't of be, infinity. Yeah, it can't be travelled back that far. Well, why not? Because Jeff just used the machine. Oh yes, good point, good point. Well, but, but, yes, but the machine's not working right, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, who knows what strange, weird phenomena it's done. But yeah, fair enough. It sent him into the future. That's not been written yet. How can that happen? Yeah. See. Let's say I'll I'll let you have the I'll let you have it. You what are your thoughts about Jeff stealing the crystal and how he presents it to Holly? Well, it wasn't surprising to me. I I was pretty sure he would have stolen the crystal. He's always looking for an angle, isn't he? I mean, for for a start, I don't think he has the, the moral compass to stop him from lifting something that is a benefit to him. I think he probably has done that before in the evidence room. And then he's always looking for an angle on something. So he wants to he wants Holly to be in his debt so that she will use the time machine to help him once it's repaired. Yeah. I mean you're pretty you're pretty harsh on Slade last week. Uh, Not on or was it the week before. <laughs> it was last week in particular. But I I I kind of thought this would get your moral outrage up. I mean, the fact that he ran in and, and took the crystal, that made perfect sense to me. I mean, that was that was obvious that that was going to happen, and it was obvious, you know, that Slate would risk his life to do that. I had hoped, hope upon hope, that he'd gone in there to get that for Holly's benefit. And, okay, he's playing a little game there with the crystal, but then that sort of extortion bit at the end. Uh, <laughs> Jeff's made no progress whatsoever in the course of this series. I had hoped right. that well, we were supposed to see that Jeff had had been somehow, had somehow gotten to be a better person as the course of this show goes on. But no, no, I mean, right down to the last scene, he is just using that against her as as a tool. As, and her as a tool. and Well, he is definitely a tool. I, I'm not sure he has actually developed. I I mean, I'd be tempted no, to I don't say think he he's has. developed into even more of an asshole, but actually, I think he probably always was. It's just over the course of the run, we've seen just how big an asshole he is. Yeah, and then that sort of caressy handhold. I did not like that at all and not just because holly can obviously do so much better than slade but it's just oh yeah but hang on i mean i do think this episode did tell us one thing which is holly's taste in men you know it's not an accident that she's drawn to slade given that her first date (laughs) is someone who tried to flash freeze her right i mean she she does pick him and actually, to give Slade some credit, which, as you pointed out, I'm rather reluctant to do, he's not homicidal. So, in some way, he's a bit of an upgrade for her. Okay, I'm not going to try to defend Marlowe, except that he may not have been an asshole. That may have developed when, <laughs> okay. when the, the enormous power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. He could be a a, a guy that operated in a perfectly normal not asshole way until he gets the dollar signs in his eyes for how incredibly rich and powerful he's going to be with a time machine so i i he you could make the argument that that says he's got the seed of being the asshole but that doesn't mean that he is or that he was when holly was dating him it it wasn't necessarily revealed until he was tempted by but the money then and then how can we exactly how moral but then you can't an individual put that on holly you can't you can't say oh well she's got a type when he wasn't that type in any material way that could be discerned that that's well i i mean i i'm not i'm not kind of trying to give a a comprehensive overview of the character traits of everyone that she's ever dated because we've only seen two of them here and one of just them those two guys because yeah. you know it's pretty clear we're just I friends think, yeah dialogue in this episode that even though you thought there's something going on with Slade in the last episode that that's not the case it's just that yeah when we on the sample we've got granted n equals two we have two people who have definitely tried to use her and in one case 
tried to freeze her to death. And so, I don't know. I just feel like maybe that should give her pause for thought. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she should take up with Nikki. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's an upgrade on being frozen to death, but okay. <laughs> well, it might be sort of like being frozen to death. But, uh, yeah. Might be better than Morris. It would definitely be better than Morris. But, you know, he came through with his wonky car today. Just yeah, like I it did the other day in front of Holly's house. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what was going on with Morris in this. Because he seemed to be a bit, like, downbeat. Not his usual perky self. But there wasn't any reason for it. <laughs> so, yeah, just he's just dim in this episode. Just really, really dim. I wondered if it might be the, the direction. I had I had issues with the direction in this one. I wasn't sure what was going on with Morris. There is a scene with Grissom where she says, Oh, Slade, and then literally shakes her fist. And, you know, I thought, oh, they might as well have just had her say, Why I order. And then the the kind of worst bit in it for me was it was in the opening hit and run. I just thought that direction of that was so terrible all the kind of slow-mo and the close-ups of the bumper thing the, the, it, it was not entirely satisfactory speaking of of grissom's uh angry um you would think and, and i after i put this thought down i i thought well maybe maybe this works you'd think grissom would be a, a whole lot more kindly disposed towards slade after he saved her career last week. And and I don't know, maybe that's why she went with him for bringing in Marlowe. But, you know, once that was over, she was some choice words for how useless and dangerous he was and how he was going to lose his job. It's like, really? You, you guys don't actually... They don't fire cops for false arrests? That's nuts. They don't fire cops for killing people at traffic stops. Why would we think they're going to... This guy's going to complain about being falsely arrested and say, well, I, I saw him and he's got an alibi, but I saw him. So it's logical to bring him in. I, it, it, it seemed a little, uh, it, it well, seemed a little first episode, from... right? It, it felt just like the first episode when Slade's all being ready to be cashiered because he's such a loose cannon. And then he's been solving crimes like gangbusters for the entire years. And then suddenly we're back to this. You get no slack, Slade. You're, you're a problem. So it, I think it, that there's an element that there are repeated tropes in this show, and things like you know someone always being captured and you know threatened with being done away with and needing to be rescued, and the kind of suspicion in the office and the friction with Grissom, and to some extent. A necessary reset because people aren't going to watch every episode so you can't have big arcs but i don't think it would necessarily have made a big difference if grissom had been a bit softer towards slade in this episode some people who hadn't seen last week might have wondered why but you needn't make it massively overt i think the only defense i could give would be if you look at it from grissom's point of view yes he helped her out by saving her job but on the other hand she's correctly recognized him as being a complete con man lazy although he may be a good detective he takes shortcuts and is only out for himself so she's got this accurate character study and in fairness she is criticizing him for an, an arrest where there is evidence that he has got the wrong man and a well-founded sense that he has a personal grudge against the man he's taken in because he has a personal grudge against the man he's taken in well okay let, let, let's take just uh, from from the police officer's point of view and i'm i'm not not saying he's right by any stretch of the imagination he claims anyway he thinks he recognizes the voice. Whether that's true or not, I mean, it sounded like the guy to me, and I didn't even know that it was, you know, Barlow making the call at that moment. But it could have been him, just putting on a 
put on a bit of an Irish accent. I mean, I can understand how you just thought there for a moment that I was a completely different person and thought we had a third host on here from Ireland. But I, I you know, it does for what he spoke, not much, right? So, I mean, he's got a reason to suspect the guy. Legit reason. He knew it was a hit and run when he shouldn't have. So that's, that's, that's freaking police land, TV land. That's good enough. So he thought that. The guy was wearing a hat. Clearly the hat was to hide the curly hair. Because if we'd seen the silhouette with the curly hair, we'd all gone, oh, of course. So Slade would know that. Hat, curly hair, that's that's Marlowe. He shot at him in the dark, and he thinks he hit him. Okay, fair enough. All of that is probably good enough to bring him in for questioning. Bring him in for questioning, if nothing else. Also, Webb's kind of uh, indictment of him, saying that he's he thinks he's up to something shady there. All of that's good enough to, to bring him for questioning. You show the, the, the wound, and there isn't one. It begins to fall apart at that point. I agree. But not necessarily. I mean, did you actually hit him? Did he... I mean, did you did you find blood? Did you check? Did you get a sample of that blood to do a blood type? No, probably not. But those would have been things that we could have said, well, no, I did find blood at the scene, therefore. But he didn't, he didn't get that information. So that that's definitely one... It's not until they get into the station that the alibis are checked out. At that point, yeah, we're going to let you go. Except that those alibis have to do with the other two crimes, not somebody attacking Slade last night. It's not until he reveals that he was with Holly and Holly confirms it, that he actually has an alibi. So I don't really think he has that much of a cause for uh, suing the police department. Yeah, they made a mistake, but there's reason to have brought him in. And it checked out. You're not. Go ahead. You're you're out of here with our apologies. If, and you know, here's a gift certificate to uh, McDonald's, which I don't know if you saw the McDonald's in the background <laughs> as they were driving around. But that this that <laughs> if all of that is if 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 you can demonstrate that Slade made mistakes and made mistakes in good faith. There is but I think that. The difficult, I agree. Difficulty is that yeah, Grissom knows that. It's not an isolated incident, and that if these things get investigated, then it's likely that that will come into play. <laughs> but Grissom also should know that when Slade says he thinks that he's right every time for the last however long it's been since he started the time machine. So, which may again may be why she backed him on the 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 bringing him in in the first place. But at some point, they just say, okay. That's wrong. Pursue another avenue, and uh, and go on. And don't let don't let this get you all rattled because you got a thing for Holly. Everyone knows. Even <laughs> everyone knows. Yeah, I don't know that I have anything else. You'll be surprised to know that I have some things about police procedure, okay. <laughs> like I have for every single episode. Okay. Hit me with the police procedure. So, well, I mean, obviously we've mentioned Slade carrying a gun before, which he clearly does routinely because he just, as soon as he's shot, good at, thing he too. Re reaches inside of it. <laughs> well, yes, um, <laughs> that that he could have been killed. That that seems pretty strange from a a British perspective, but it's the totally only guy that stops a bad guy with a gun is uh, is a good guy with a gun. I've been told that uh, on placards carried by lunatics, but uh, yeah, yes, I, I've I've heard that that's a, a popular perspective over there. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, he just yeah he reaches inside his jacket, pulls out a gun, and starts blazing away. So there's that. There is the fact that when he does screw things up, Grissom tells him that he has to write a report for the commissioner. Oh, this came up oh, yeah. last week, but this is just, yep. this is a really weird kind of hierarchy here where Slade, who is, I guess, you know, so we still don't get his rank, I don't think, but he's he's unlikely to be higher than a DS, DI at the most. And yet, it's fact, every time someone screws up, the, the commissioner is going to get another report that, he's had, that he has to read on his desk. But yeah, that seemed to me extremely that's why he unlikely. has to spend all day at his desk and has to come do his uh uh disciplinary meetings after hours 
it sort of is even more reason busy, why he would have less yeah. less time to travel over to do the disciplinary meetings and more reason why he would need Grissom to, to come to him. But uh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> We've got the fact that Slade charges in on Holly and Marlowe having their meal. Holly says, how did you know I was here? And he says in front of Marlowe, I didn't. I, it was Morris told me where Marlowe was. So I guess, I mean, the thing is, the, the strange behaviour is blowing the, the, the surveillance operation. I guess everything that Slade is doing at that point is so completely outrageous that you could just put this down to being another outrageous thing. And the fact that it doesn't really get commented on or remarked upon is because there are too many other outrageous things that Slade is doing at that point for anyone to be particularly outraged about that one. But I was a bit outraged about it, I have to say. <laughs> Fair enough. So even if you even if you allow that one to pass, the thing that I did find really weird going without comment was the fact that after Slade and Holly fled the scene of a hit and run, for, okay, good reason they were going to go into the time machine to try and travel back to find out what the license plate number was or whatever. Yeah. But after they after they had fled the scene, they off, they were obviously seen at the scene or they maybe confessed they were at the scene because at the briefing, everyone knows that Holly and Slade were at the scene and they refer to it. But Grisham is completely not bothered about the fact that they left the scene well okay um first i think the scene is outside holly's place yeah right so there's a there's a reason to there's a reason for them to be there there's a reason for um, them to they be don't have, there they don't have cell phones they, so there's a good reason for them to go in and call the police from holly's flat them because, to go in. yeah i agree but you know something leaves the scene i mean they the cops were coming. They could hear the sirens. But it's, but it's so, just like, you you know, you don't need to leave the scene necessarily. You just need to ask someone to call the police. It's, I mean, that that's assuming that Jeff doesn't carry a police radio, even though he carries a gun. Well, he doesn't have a room because he's got the gun. Yeah. Pick one or the yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. I'll take the gun. <laughs> I have one. Any others? Because I have one of right. the police yeah. procedure. I'm curious before no, you. No, I've, I've well, I've got one last one, and then you can you can finish off with the police procedure, which is that it it appears to take four members of CID to go and arrest Marlowe, including a DCI, and then there are four of them in the interview room. It's very yeah. kind of over. Oh, yeah, it's more pandered, but it's overstaffed. Any don't know. I mean, it wouldn't be good tactics anyway because it's not necessarily likely to make him more willing to confess you know in the interview room this is um and you know if they just need extra manpower when they go to arrest him why aren't they getting uniforms to do it but you know i guess on the scale of things we've seen some pretty flagrant breaches of police procedure in this show and in fact i can't really remember anything they've done that was actually by the book at any point so it's finishing the show in the way that it started. I want to know what the heck they're going to put in their report. Who's, because who, they're going to have to write a Holly and Slade. They're going to have to write up a report Mal on this. The, the disappearance of Marlo. Yeah. And the fact that Marlo tried to kill her. And I mean, there's <laughs> the fire... And is this case solved? The murders of those two guys, is this case solved? Is Marlowe definitely guilty, but they don't have a body, so they don't have a suspect put on trial? Kind of, well, you know. It, it's, it's odd, isn't it? Because the, there is there are dramatic possibilities in there. It's why that tension seemed to me something that would have made a good kind of running theme for Series 2. If this had been the opening episode of a second series and Marlowe had got away rather than the time machine being destroyed. They could have been fighting someone who had a time machine and could therefore create alibis and do, you know, do all sorts of things that they would be unable to explain away without blowing the fact that 
they have a time machine, which Holly would obviously be unwilling to do. Or he could spend the rest of the season in little post-credit or little post-episode sequences where he's in a time prison and he's actually manipulating it on his way to get out to be the big bad at the at the end of the of the second season. I think that that may have precedent. Carnival somewhere. films made it so for Andy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a, 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 a here we are at the end of the theory. I have one last wacky theory, and I will uh, I'll throw it out there because we've made mention of some of this before, and I I don't have my list in front of me of everything, so I can just pick a couple of them out that we've seen uh, over the course of the episode. But but upon your discussion of police procedure, I have begun to wonder if this is not actually our world, that this is an alternate timeline that they're living in. And that's why Jeff carries a gun, because in, in this Britain, they they carry guns. But But hear me out. What happened... When Jeff was chasing Marlo and Holly and he was trying to follow them, what prevented him from getting there? A van pulled out in front of him. What did it say oh, yeah. on the side of the van? He said something about time, a bit like the van that time um, is running dad out. escaped from the prison on. Time is running out, it said on the van. What did what did the laundry van that Jack Slade stowed away on say? I don't remember what the laundry van said. I know that the, the prison said Something time flies. Time oh, Tempest yeah. Huget. Got that one. Yeah. Um, we've had other instances where time has kind of popped up predominantly when he's in the past, not necessarily even in the past, but when these things happen. And I'm wondering, is that Holly's dad trying to tell them something? This is This is not a joke that... Horowitz is playing on the audience. Oh, this will be funny. We'll put time in here. It's like, this is actually somebody trying to tell you. So time is running out is a very specific message in that particular case. I don't, I mean, I like that idea a lot, but I don't see why it explains how Jeff would be carrying a gun. Well, because uh, it's, it, it's her father has, I, I don't know. He's, when he went into the loop of infinity or, or whatever it really is, he's somehow changed time. He's, and, he's gone back into British history and changed the nature of the police yeah. force. Yes, exactly. Okay. Possible. Which is just some sort of alternate to alternate universe that, uh, or alternate reality that he's manipulating in some way. We're trying to manipulate to, to get Holly to rescue him, to get Holly, uh, you know, it, it's, I think all these messages have been sort of about time is, is getting away from you. So... I, I, I would be curious if we ever find out whether or not there's anything <laughs> to that. But yes, you know, maybe Horowitz will tell us someday. Like he will, he will listen to our podcast as uh, having already <laughs> listened to the other ten crime traveler podcasts, and all thought they were. And you know, it's like, yeah, they didn't get anything, but then he'll hear ours. He'll get to the final episode. Go, Somebody finally got it. Somebody all saw the, it. All of, the, uh, all of those clues saying. Time is running out, and Bad Wolf were all leading to the fact the, the that series five history finale. had been manipulated, <laughs> or something, or or like I said, or her father trying to send a message. I mean, her father being the only other person who could be in some sort of a, uh, he's in something. I don't know what he's in, but some sort of limbo. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just adding the gun thing in there because that's a possibility too. That this is not this is not exactly a reality like we understand it to be this could well, be a fantasy yeah, yeah. this could be a fantasy <laughs> of some kind a fantasy I, uh, some them. kind in which in which time travel is possible no yes, i know i know what you but, mean but it, but it but but the difficulty is in signaling that that every form of fiction is a fantasy of some sort because that's the point of it being mm -hmm. fiction isn't it right you've got things that life are made on up mars, and didn't happen in the real world but I, I, life on mars being an example that that i'm thinking of in other words he is somewhere it's more overt that you don't it's know what the heck is going on that, much more overt, that the, and that makes it better yeah <laughs> well it but, does because then it's then it's a central part of the plot that's being addressed whereas this is much more like you know in doctor who where in a dream there is a 
five pound coin and a king in 1989 and you kind of think hmm what's the point i mean obviously it's not really our world because right it's got time lords and tardises in it no, but, but you can you can have on a, the other hand you, what 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 you is the point have... of fictionalizing those other elements the matrix on gallifrey in the deadly assassin in other words it's a dream within a a fiction it's it's something that we're that the characters yeah, again, will slowly come on to that it's a uh, it was in that case but not necessarily there were years of dallas i understand where bobby was dead and then suddenly boom bobby's alive because it was a dream and nobody but realized that it was a dream that wasn't over <laughs> because it wasn't an attention <laughs> it was yeah i'm not saying this was necessarily a successfully implemented one i'm just saying it does it's either a it's either a poke at the audience or it's a clue to the audience. I don't know which it is, but it's gotta be deliberate. One way or the other. I, I think it is I think it's not done with with that intent. It's done because it's playing on the conventions of T V cops and some of those conventions are based on American cop shows. And this is deliberately not specifically you know we we spend quite a lot of time trying to work out whether they're in london or not you know is this the met or is this not the met there's no clue apart from grissom who i think is a dci there's no clue what rank any of these officers have they don't use these forms of address they call grissom chief not gov they you know slade carries a gun there are umpteen instances of them not following kind of normal police procedure, but that's because it's a kind of Agatha Christie-style fantasy. What Horowitz is doing is he's pulling on these kind of genres. And so when you say you meet, you know, you have someone mention an old flame in TV land and we know what that means, that's because Horowitz is deliberately setting this in a pastiche of TV land and it's not supposed to be reality. And I was specifically, though, referring to less about the, him carrying a gun and more about the instances of time is running out, time flies. Oh, yeah. That oh, no, I, is I would either, agree, a, I would that's either that. deliberate, it's deliberate one way or the other. The question is, is whether it's a deliberate mm. wink at the audience or is it a deliberate bad wolf, maybe a poorly I, done bad wolf. And that's hard to believe because bad wolf was really poorly done, but the the same idea that it's either it. it has something germane and they're just ignoring it and then at some point ollie's gonna go did you notice that there was that sign and then and then slade goes oh yeah then there was that van six months ago with license plate number hl5 32148 that had the sign that said <laughs> time is running out on it and because he memorizes every plate except the one he needs and yeah i don't know the answer to your question but i do agree it, i think it is one of those things it's <laughs> And that's why when Horowitz gets this, he goes, finally, somebody, somebody noticed. Everyone else is well, just assuming, going on about how Jeff that... parkours in every episode. And he didn't in this one he, either. He probably got hundreds of letters about it at the time. I mean, I, I have no idea. We, we, we need to know whether he has ever given an answer to that. Or do, you know, do we just have to wait for Series 5 finale to come out? <laughs> Well, I'm eagerly anticipating the Series 5 finale. <laughs> uh, I do not have anything else, I believe. And I, I say this with all sincerity. I think time has run out for Jeff Slade and the Crime Traveler and the Loop of Infinity. And we will move on to something else. Any final words on it? No, no. I've, I've run out of time as well. All right. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. 
You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, Galactica 1980 goes totally off the rails as we look at the two-part episode, The Super Scouts.